Hello, everyone, and welcome to the She Research Podcast. I'm your host, Kate McKay, and today I'm joined by Lisa Dive and Ainsley Newson. Hi, Lisa and Ainsley. Hi, Kate. Hi. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks good. Oh, no problem. Thanks for joining me. Today, Lisa and Ainsley have joined to give us a little overview of their newly released paper, which is called Ethical Issues in Reproductive Genetic Carrier Screening, and this is in the Medical Journal of Australia. And uh, this is part of a larger project that I think we're going to hear about as we chat. Um, so I guess I thought I'd ask, first of all, um, basically, what's the kind of elevator pitch, either of the project or the paper or um, both? Um. Okay, well, I can give you just a high-level summary of the paper, I guess the sure. elevated yeah. pitch of the paper. Um, so the paper is about reproductive genetic carrier screening, and that's when you offer couples, or it can be individuals, but um, we're focusing on couples, are offered a genetic test to see if they have an increased chance of having a baby with a genetic condition. And so in this paper, we look at a range of ethical issues that arise in relation to genetic carrier screening. So things like um, how the goals of the program are described have ethical implications. Um, choosing which genes to look for in the test is a really important ethical issue as well. And also other factors like how the program is structured and how it's funded and so on. So in this paper, we give a high level overview um, of the broad range of ethical issues that are relevant to reproductive carrier screening. And we're focusing particularly on a program called Mackenzie's Mission, which is a current pilot project that Ainsley and I are both working on, which is offering um, this kind of testing to 10,000 Australian couples. Yeah, wow, that's really interesting. The broader Mackenzie's Mission project sounds really interesting too. So um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about that, Ainsley? Sure. Mackenzie's Mission has just officially started, but it's been in planning for a long time after many, many years of hard work behind the scenes by doctors, but also parents advocating as well. And it's funded by the federal government and it's a research program that is investigating the feasibility, for want of a better word, of a big large scale reproductive carrier screening program in the Australian healthcare context. So there's a whole heap of elements that the program is looking at and that are necessary to get something like that off the ground. So aspects like uh, what genes should we test for? Uh, what are the laboratory parameters? Uh, how do we call something as um, a mutation or not? What are the health economic considerations? How do people who have this test feel about it? What should be on or off the list as time goes on? How do we revise that? What do we do if the results change? So you can sort of see how it immediately, you know, it transpires into being a really big question. And obviously at the heart, well, we think it's at the heart, but a really important element of all of that are ethical considerations because mm -hmm. we know there's been existing research done in Australia and other places that show that people who are thinking about having children uh, in principle are really keen on this kind of testing, but we also know that there are lots of implications uh, and what does it say about some of the broader social issues that are relevant and that's that's really where the paper that Lisa and I have written comes into play. That's really, yeah, that's such a massive area of sort of research and thinking. And so what are the kind of main points of argument in your paper? Um, so there's a range of sort of key points that we touch on throughout the paper. 
one of the first ones that we look at is the way that you articulate the goals of a program like genetic carrier screening. Mm -hmm. So for just for an example, um, all that we do really in this paper is point out that it is ethically relevant the way that you describe the goals and because that will um, have implications for how you evaluate the success of the program. So for example, if you are aiming to provide information to help couples or families make reproductive decisions that align with their values and preferences, that's one kind of a program goal. Um, on the other hand, if you're aiming to reduce the incidence of babies being born with particular severe genetic conditions, that's a different kind of a program goal. Um, of course, you can have multiple goals, but the way that you articulate them and um, and specify them is really ethically important. Mm -hmm. um, another issue is about deciding what kind of genes to include. As Ainsley had um, just mentioned, it's a really phenomenally technically complicated and also um, like on many levels, it's a very, um, very, very complex task. And the, um, the knowledge that we have about the way that genes work in onset of disease and so on, it's really um, complex and continually evolving as well. So in Mackenzie's mission, they have set some criteria that Ainsley could talk about in more detail because she's worked on this specifically, but they're focusing on severe childhood onset severe childhood onset conditions mm -hmm. um, and this makes the program a bit easier to justify than if you cast the net more widely because most people would agree that it's ethically acceptable to try to avoid um, having a baby with a very severely life-limiting condition. Mm -hmm. Ainsley, did you want to add something to that? I will add something here if that's okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, one thing just to mention is that there is a whole separate paper about how the genes that are being uh, used in this project were chosen. And we can perhaps link to that in the program notes. And yeah. I was involved in that paper because I was involved in the committee that chose those genes. And it was a big process. And it's actually a continuous process because Virtually as soon as we finalise the list, the 12-month clock kind of ticked around and we have to re renew it and review it, which we're going to do on an annual basis, at least through the lifetime of the project. But I think this is a really interesting example of where a technology actually generates different ethical tensions than might have existed sort of 10 or 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. and it's because one of the methods that's being used here is um, we're actually undertaking exome sequencing. So there's a whole heap of information there. But um, because this is a reproductive carrier screening program that is in, uh, providing information to couples, uh, so people aren't receiving individual results. This is a, the point of the program is to inform reproductive decision making. And also for feasibility reasons, you know, everybody's going to have a mutation or some kind or another, and it's just not feasible within a big program like this to have in-depth counselling with every single person. And so a couples-based result um, is one where you'll actually have an increased chance finding much less because it requires both people or the woman to carry, um, in the case of a couple, it would be an autosomal recessive condition, or in the case of a woman, it would be that she, has, um, she carries an X-linked mutation. But because of the technology, there are a whole heap of conditions where it became very, it involved a lot of discussion as to whether mm. it should be on or off the list. And we got down to the level of granularity of, you know, the cost of interventions 
the treatments and the, the age and, and how consistent it is that a condition presents at a particular age, mm -hmm. um, etc. And we describe a little bit about, about that in the other paper, which has already been published. Mm -hmm. um, but it was such a big responsibility. Um, mm -hmm. It's really taken so seriously. Yeah. And uh, because um, of the stakes, it's a high stakes thing. Yeah. We didn't want to make uh, an inappropriate value judgment. We didn't want to generalize when it was hard to generalize. But at the same time, I think uh, we were mindful that people judge things to have different levels of seriousness. As mm -hmm. well. So what mm -hmm. might not be serious for one might be perceived as very serious for another. Mm -hmm. And then obviously mm -hmm. us with our ethics kind of lens and our ethics hat, you know, we understand that a lot of those views can be socially constructed, yep. artifacts of the way that society is set up. And so, you know, what actually constitutes health and disability is kind of at the heart of it. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because this work really joins two um, formerly separate areas of ethical thought and healthcare, which are public health and genetics, because this is really the intersection of like a screening program, which is very classically public health with genetics, which is very classically purely kind of individual healthcare often it's been you know in the okay. past it's such an you evolving it's field it's like you've predicted our our next paper amazing yeah that ready to go. but exactly that's one of the other thing the next things that we're looking at is um looking at when you take a clinical intervention like genetic carrier screening and try and roll it out into a public health screening program and, and the ethical implications of that yeah I just wanted to add on to what Ainsley had um, uh, talked about in relation to gene selection. I think in terms of the, uh, the main um, sort of points that we make in this um, NJA paper, mm -hmm. one of the recurring themes is about navigating uncertainty and complexity. Mm -hmm. um, it comes up in so many different areas, um, in, in a lot of areas of healthcare, but particularly in Mackenzie's mission. So um, as you've heard, it's relevant to the gene selection, like choosing which genes to look at in the testing, but also, um, for example, if you think about consent, um, if people are offered this kind of screening, um, the program is looking really closely at how people can be supported to understand what they're getting into and what the implications of that information that they might get um, could be for them and for their family and the kinds of decisions that they'll have to make together. Mm -hmm. So, um, there, and there's always going to be a lot of complexity and a lot of uncertainty in those kinds of decisions. So that's one of the other main things that I think is a sort of recurring thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think you've mentioned um, a few of the kinds of challenges or potential objections to have to kind of navigate in this work. So I guess I wondered if there were any particular um, objections or potential critiques that you were thinking about in this paper that you'd need to deal with? I think it's not necessarily an academic objection, but uh, one of our big rationales in writing the paper for this journal, uh, you know, this, this is a journal that doctors read, uh, and it is doctors that are eventually going to be offering this type of screening if it is eventually rolled out in a public funded way across the whole population as opposed to in a research project. And so as a result, we needed to take this 
really complex content, well, what we see as really complex content and make it accessible to an audience that may not have knowledge of all of these background debates. Mm -hmm. But also we had a really, really big constraint of length. So this paper is 1500 words. I think we managed to get it up a tiny bit by the time we went through the reviews process. But uh, we had to explain everything that we've just talked about um, and come to a position in that word length. So every single word really mattered. And so that was a, that was a challenge that was more around uh, language communication, conveying yeah. concepts in a way that is meaningful to us that we could stand beside, but also would be accessible to people who aren't of the bioethics world. Mm -hmm. And something else that sort of came through the review process really was uh, the way that kind of the review process threw up heaps of stuff that we didn't necessarily think was core to what we wanted to say. And we had to sort of balance responding to those points and putting some extra material into the paper when actually we didn't feel that it was core to our the argument that we wanted to put forward. And mm -hmm. I think that's that's kind of the territory that you're on when you're publishing in a journal that's not your core disciplinary area. That immediately makes me want to ask you what the primary message is that you hope people will walk away with after reading the paper. Um, well, I guess if I can jump in, one of the main things that I think is important to take away from this paper is that the, that the way a program like reproductive carrier screening is designed and implemented, it fundamentally reflects the communal values that we all share as a society, whether we say that or not. So when we make decisions about what are the goals of the program, what genes are we going to screen for, how are we going to deliver results to people and how are we going to fund it and so on. Um, those kinds of decisions reflect deeply held societal values and it's important to pay attention to that and to think about that when we're designing a program, what values is it reflecting? Are we unconsciously entrenching inequalities in the way that healthcare is delivered or attitudes that we have to certain members of our society? So I think just to prompt that kind of reflection pausing um, before jumping in just because it's um, there's also a great optimism about what a program like this can do and the benefit that it can have for um, individuals and for all of society so just to balance those I, yeah. I guess yeah I find it so fascinating I think that this is such an interesting project because it gets all of the ethical complexity of screening programs straightforwardly, plus all of the ethical complexity of just what you were saying, Lisa, like the fact that this might reflect certain biases that we have about people in our society, that you're making decisions that are forward um, impacting mm -hmm. in a greater way than kind of other screening programs might be. It's so fascinating. So I'm really excited to see more of the papers that you produce as part of this project. And thank you so much for chatting with me about this paper. Um, I'll link the MJA paper, the one that we've been discussing about um, the ethical issues involved in the screening program, but then I'll also link the other paper that you mentioned that you've published earlier for anybody who's interested in reading more about mm. this fascinating project on genetic carrier screening and um, Mackenzie's mission. So thanks very much, Lisa and Ainsley. This was awesome. And um, thanks everybody for listening to the She Research Podcast. 
Um, you can catch us on Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, and anywhere else you find your podcasts of quality. Thank you for listening. Bye.